0: Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life.
1: i joined this morning with a legend in the pro-life movement, Father Frank Pavone. When I was a brand new Catholic, I was able to meet Father Frank Pavone uh, in Washington, D.C. at the Catholic Information Center. I was a brand new Catholic. I'd been a Protestant, and as a Protestant, even I knew knew back then who Father Frank Pavone is. And As almost everybody knows now, in the Catholic world, in the pro-life world, in all Christian media, and even in the secular media, Father Frank Pavone has received, through we'll find out various means, a decree that he is to be dismissed from the priestly state. So, Father Frank Pavone, our prayers are with you. Good morning. Welcome. What's going on in your life? What has happened in the past week?
0: Well, Taylor, first of all, thanks so much for having me. And I know you've spoken about my situation in previous broadcasts over these recent days, and everybody appreciates that, especially here at our Priest for Life team. What's happened over the past week is simply an extension of what's happened over the past 21 years. And the reason I say 21 years is that after I had led Priest for Life for about eight years, from 93 to uh, 2001, uh, some of the bishops started to get pretty uncomfortable because we were growing in size and influence. I had spent two of those years working at the Vatican, uh, establishing the Priest for Life internationally under John Paul II. And, uh, you know, these, these bishops, um, got some of them, nervous that oh, they weren't controlling Priests for Life, the finances, the messaging, the influence over the Catholic pro-life movement and beyond, as you just described. And uh, they started making moves to restrict my ministry. Now, if I wanted to summarize it in three simple points, you tell me if this makes sense. At first, they tried to say, well, Father Frank, you got to go back to parish work now. You've worked long enough in Priests for Life. And that was Cardinal Egan of New York in 2001. And I said, with all due respect, I believe this is my vocation. That's what, what I went to Cardinal O'Connor about. This is not just an assignment. This is a vocation. I want to give my life for the unborn. It's as simple as that. And you don't know, give your life for something and then take it back. Uh, please, I want to do this work. Okay. So th- it wasn't just me pleading. There was an uproar from the, from the people who were supporting priests for life. And ultimately, we reached a solution where he gave me technically, he gave me a parish assignment in a place where they didn't need me, uh, so I was gonna be able to continue leading priest for life. okay, so first, they tried to take me away from priest for life. That didn't work. So then they started to try to take priest for life away from me. and you'll remember this. there was a period of time about a decade ago where uh, they tried to start questioning or the finances of Priests for Life. This is a favorite tactic of the other side. You know, you want to discredit someone, call their finances into question. Well, that didn't work either because we kept sending them clean audits that we get from our annually from our independent auditing firm. And uh, the Vatican itself looked at our finances and said they were in good order. So that didn't work. So if they can't take Father Frank away from Priests for Life and they can't take Priests for Life away from Father Frank, Maybe they have to take the father away from Frank. And that's this move that they're just doing now. And all of it is motivated by the same thing. It's a cancel culture within the church, just like we see in politics. It's a weaponization of otherwise legitimate processes in the church against ideological opponents. It's an effort to blunt the impact of this ministry on the church. Although, despite the fact that we're helping the Holy See, to this day, we very substantially help the Pope's mission at the United Nations, the Holy See mission. We very substantially help the Secretariat of State in international pro-life matters. We run, as you know, the largest ministry for healing after abortion. We're helping the clergy. We're, we're mobilizing the people so what about all this good work? Do they not do they not support? There are some that have a problem. They need to explain for themselves what it is. But this, in a nutshell, is how uh, and why uh, we've gotten to this moment now, where they're saying, "Oh, you can't be a priest anymore."
1: Yeah. One of the interesting things, I mean, I've I've read almost everything I get my hands on. I've scoured the internet. Is the detail that there is no appeal for you? Ah. Is this? canonically even possible that we've made this decision and there is now no appeal.
0: Well, Taylor, I'm glad you bring that up because a lot of people are are concerned about that. As you know, canonically, uh, the Pope is the highest authority, the highest human authority in the church. So if you get a case that's signed off by him, there's no technical canonical appeal. But that doesn't mean it can't be changed. And and see, this is the distinction that, that people need to make. Of course, it can be changed. What the pope does, the pope can undo. And that's that's the approach I'm taking right now. My next step is to say to make an appeal personally and directly to Pope Francis. Everything that's happened so far has gone up through the congregation or the dicastery for clergy. Okay, fine. There's the canonical processes. It ends with the pope. But then you go back to the pope personally and say, why you, 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 you ask him to change this. Uh, and my reason is very simple. I want to continue being a priest and continue being a pro-life leader. And there's a whole bunch of people out there who think that the same thing should, should, should be. Uh, secondly, if let's say this pope doesn't agree to change that. There's going to be a pope after him. And you can be sure that on the first day that new pope is installed, he's going to hear about my case. I also know that, that some close advisors of the pope have been advising him that there's a better way to solve this problem, which is let Father Frank go under a supportive bishop. You know, the bishop of Amarillo, as you know, has been giving me all sorts of problems. He's been the the, the catalyst for all this trouble. And uh, why do I have to stay with him? The church has processes to, to, you know, for the good of the priest and for the good of the ministry to go under a different bishop. And the Vatican even authorized that to happen for me in the past. So it's like, in fact, they authorized it twice when they saw that, that again, that bishops were, not that I was doing anything wrong, but that they were trying to impede this work with no good reason. The Vatican ruled in my favor uh, more than once. So there's no reason why they can't do that again.
1: So that that's an interesting detail. So if you were laicized by one of the dicasteries or pontifical commissions, then you could appeal it. Back to the Pope, but are you saying that your decision was made by Pope Francis and therefore there actually is no appeal? Is that, is that the structure? Oh
0: yeah, this was signed off on by the Pope.
1: Yeah, we okay. know that. Okay. Know so that. this is a yeah. Pope, because so many people have said, now is this just Vatican machinery or did Pope Francis himself do this to, to Father Frank Pavone? Can you answer that yeah. definitively? Yes,
0: it was definitively. Yeah. It was Pope Francis. Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. So that means, There is no appeal because there's no one higher than the Pope on earth. Of course, our Lord Jesus Christ, we appeal to him. Right, right. But canonically, okay, so you have to convince him. Right. And maybe we can all pray and convince him or await the next Pope.
0: Right. And the other appeal is to the people of God, because what happens in the meantime, and this, I think, is one of the most important things we can convey to the audience, is that the work moves forward. The work of priests for life, ironically, is work that's mostly done by lay people. It's work that, of educating the priest. It's not going into the parishes to take the place of the priest. Then that would, this would be a problem because I wouldn't be able to go and take the place of the priest if I'm not functioning as a priest. No, it's encouraging. It's giving them the words. It's giving them the the, the insight. It's giving them the the the, the tools to preach passionately and compassionately and persuasively from the scriptures uh the truth about abortion it's to for him that mobilizes people to vote for pro life candidates it's about him inviting the people to the resources for healing after abortion all of this we are doing and we are going to continue doing without even a moment's pause this is where i appeal to the people of god if this is a worthy work Continue to support it. You're not, and I say to our supporters, you're not supporting our work because your bishop told you to. As a matter of fact, Taylor, most of the people are supporting our work because we're doing work that they wish their bishop was doing, but he's not. Yes. So how does this hurt us? It doesn't. We move forward. And, uh, I'm confident though that we can resolve this because even now, uh, again, some of the pope's advisors are telling him, you know, this was a bad mistake. And if the pope sees and if the bishops see that our support not only doesn't doesn't wane, but grows, that'll help us make the case to them that this was indeed a mistake.
1: Yeah. You know, I think we've seen an example of that recently, and I, I spoke about it in another uh, podcast episode. You know, the story with Father Rupnik, the Jesuit, who has these uh, sexual, I don't know if they're molestations, raped, consensual, whatever, but with allegedly nine different nuns, and Pope Francis has lifted excommunication in that, or yeah, an excommunication which is even less than what you've received.
0: Yeah. In
1: that case, um, why is Father Frank Pavone receiving a much harsher, stricter case? And I think I have the answer to that, and I want to see if you agree with me. I, I think a lot of it has to do with the last election. We have a Catholic president, a man who claims to be a practicing, devout Catholic, Joe Biden. And uh, he's a Catholic, but he defends abortion, promotes abortion, subsidizes abortion, both in America and overseas. And he says over and over, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Catholic. We could talk about Nancy Pelosi. And you and I both were saying, hey, in an election where we have Roe v. Wade, we have Supreme Court justices, we need to get the Supreme Court correct. And we had a major victory of Roe v. Wade. You and I are both saying that. And I, my opinion on this is just a dad with a webcam is you associating yourself in the last campaign. That really angered, I think, either Pope Francis or people in the Vatican. Do you think that's the genesis of this or do you think it goes back a lot further?
0: Well, I know that that's part of it because they complained to me about my support for President Trump. But this also illustrates how disingenuous they are. Uh, they, they cherry pick what they want to complain about. Uh, and, 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 and let me explain that. So in 2015, I started supporting president Trump when he announced he was, he was going to run. I was one of the first Catholic leaders, certainly at least among the clergy that, that got behind him. Um, I didn't get any complaints at that time. Um, you know, when I first started getting complaints after I had indicated to Bishop Zurich of Amarillo, who was persecuting me, uh, that I had received that I had received word from a favorable bishop that he was willing to incarnate me in his diocese. Now, the rules of the church, for those that don't know, is that if you're under a bishop, but another bishop is willing to receive you, you can then ask the bishop you're under to let you go. Now, both of them have to agree. One has to agree to let you go. The other has to agree to receive you. And that agreement has to happen at the same time. Uh, so I had another bishop ready to receive me. So I made the appeal to Zurich, let me go. Now, mind you, he was saying to me, he did not want me doing this work outside the diocese with Priests for Life. But at the same time, he did not want me doing any work inside the diocese. And people say to me, oh, Father Frank thought obeying his bishop, obeying what? He doesn't want me to do work outside. He doesn't want me to do work inside. So I challenged him. I said, you want me out of the priesthood altogether, don't you? Oh, no, no, never, 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 he said. Okay, we'll get back to that later. But once I had that out, because, you know, when a priest does make that request and he has a favorable bishop, it's very, very, it's a steeper hill to climb for your current bishop to say no to that request. He has to have a really good reason for saying no. So he created a reason. I'm going to punish Father Frank for supporting President Trump. It, was, The timing was right then, right then, that he imposed a penalty. And you'll remember, too, I showed a video of an aborted baby. And in the midst of that, I said, I, the reason I was showing that was I was saying to the voters just before the 2016 election, you can, you can protect this baby. How can you protect this baby? And babies like this, in other words. Well, you can protect them by electing people who, are, who will pass laws to protect them. Okay. He was more concerned about the politics than about the baby. And I, the reason I know that is that wasn't the first time I had shown an aborted baby. I had been showing aborted babies from when I first started working with Priests for Life. We had been burying aborted babies from when I first started working with Priests for Life. So you, 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 when you look at the history of this, and Taylor, this is all, I th- as I think you know, laid out in great detail at a website called fatherfrankpavone.com. I have the documentation, the links to the letters. I'm revealing everything. I think all this has to be exposed to the light of day. What these what these bishops that are against me don't want to do is they don't they don't want to be specific. You saw in this recent thing, you know, oh, you know, blasphemous communications, we can get into that. But they don't identify what they are. It's like, guys, be an adult, would you please? And identify what it is that you're talking about. So going back to what you're saying, yes, it, it was the support for President Trump, not only in 2016, but then again in 2020. And I had in both campaigns an official role on and, and, and we were working together on this, uh, the Catholic Advisory Committee, right? And the and the pro-life advisory committee. And, um, and then at a certain point, the Vatican said, well, you can't have an official role in the campaign. Now, for some reason, they didn't say that the first time around. But then they said it the second time around um, and I said, OK, you know, I want to do things the right way. Uh, what do you want me to do? And they said, well, you have to tell the campaign you can't be on that committee with a, an official title because they had made me national co-chair of pro-life voices for Trump. So I said, OK, the, com- the campaign com- co- cooperated perfectly out of full respect for the church, out of full respect for my duties as a priest. So did that make them happy? Did that satisfy them? Well, at first, the, the, the Congregation for Clergy, they were jumping up and down. They were falling all over themselves, thanking me for cooperating and, and doing that. Until a few months later, they realized I wasn't shutting up about President Trump.
1: <laughs> and and may I, and may I, I, was, may I uh, please interrupt you there? Because I was, I was on Catholics for Trump, and I remember all of this in detail. Yeah. And I want to say I found it admirable of you that you did obey because you were such a key voice and a pro-life icon that was respected. And when you were asked to go down, I remember asking someone, what's up with father Frank Pavone? He's he's leaving. Well, he was asked to step down. So he's being obedient. He's stepping down, you know, he'll still be a pro-life advocate and all that, but he won't be official. And I was like, well, it's too bad, but I understand. So, I mean, I, I recall that and I remember thinking father Frank Pavone is a priest is obeying and i think that's just one more uh testimony to you playing ball
0: yeah right and 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 uh so after that when they saw me still saying things favorable to trump and the and the and the pro life policies he was advocating and whatnot then they got mad at me again and i said okay So why didn't you tell me in the first place what you're really what you're really after? It's not technically being on the committee, is it, or having a title? It's the fact that I'm advocating these, 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 these policy positions and these candidates says, well, you know, then it's like, why do we have to keep shifting the goalposts? Be open, honest and, and straightforward right from the start. And let's see what we're dealing with, because they it's 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 one thing to say a priest can't do X, Y and Z specific things. It's another thing to say you can't voice your 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 moral judgment about what's going on in politics. The church says we have to do that. And so this is where where it becomes necessary to. To draw a line, I mean, a, it, 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 the priest's obedience only covers certain things. You can't tell a human being that they have to, to, to stifle themselves when it comes to, especially, and in fact, it's just the opposite. We're being ordained precisely to speak the word of God into um, uh, people's lives, including their lives of, of politics. And, um, That's where we really do have an enduring conflict here, because if there are some in the church that are telling us not to do that, um, they're telling us to betray the very mission for which we were ordained.
1: Yes. And and the idea that we as Catholics uh, do not favor candidates or kings or archdukes or anything like that is ridiculous. I mean, you go back hundreds of years, thousands of years, and you see popes and archbishops and cardinals and courtiers very much involved in these discussions and talking about policies and which policies conform to the Catholic faith and the Catholic morality and which ones do not. And I was shocked when the Democrat, it wasn't actually Joe Biden's campaign, but it was the democratic campaign was using footage of videos with Pope Francis and Joe Biden together, smiling, walking around, clearly, you know, the Vatican or whoever is in charge of the Pope's image was licensing and allowing Joe Biden to use the Pope and the Vatican and Rome as part of their campaign. So to say that the other side never uses, never gets involved in politics or anything like that is just, it's just not the case. And I saw, you know, like I said, you've been doing this for decades, and then all this pressure really starts to get tight on you uh, in that last campaign. And it seems that what they said, which was the blast, I think the wording was blasphemous communications on social media. <laughs> was that that was that correct?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Yes, and then the second one was uh, something like not conforming to the bishop's.
0: Yeah, disobedience to my uh, persistent disobedience to the bishop. Yeah, which uh, you may have seen um, again. It's all documented on on, on Father Frank dot com. Uh, the letter from Monsignor Harry Waldo, he was the vicar for clergy in the Ar- Amarillo Diocese for many years, including from the time I was put into that diocese. His letter, written openly, says that I complied with, obeyed, cooperated with everything they requested of me, everything that the bishop asked. So I don't know why, you know, some people, and now, of course, the Vatican too, keep saying, oh, I'm disobedient. You mentioned the example of the, uh, stepping down from the committee. And then there was the other example of when in 2011, this same Bishop Zurich just called me back to the diocese. I was out on the road doing doing the work I do. And he said, no, no, you've got to come back to the diocese. When he called me back to Amarillo, I didn't go to Anchorage. I went to Amarillo. I, I complied and obeyed with that. So, and then, and, and, but then I appealed to the Vatican and they backed me up. They ruled in my favor. They told the bishop, Let him do his work. How is that? How is that? Father Frank disobeyed his bishop. And there's some of our, some of my brothers. What year was
1: that, Father? I'm sorry. What year was that when the, when the Vatican said, let him do his work?
0: 2012. Okay. 2012. Now you want to know an interesting story about that. This, this illustrates the kind of nonsense I've been dealing with for 21 years. When the Vatican issued that decree saying, let Father Frank do his work. There's not, We find nothing wrong in what he's doing. Bishop Zurich called me on the phone. I saw the decree of the Vatican, he said. I'm restoring your faculties. You have full permission to travel, preach, broadcast, and, and just as you've been doing, lead priests for life. Okay. He called EWTN also and told them you can let Prother Frank continue broadcasting on the network. Taylor, one week later he calls me into his office and completely reverses his position says i can't travel can't preach can't even concelebrate mass uh can't uh, uh do do the work that i do and i said why and he didn't give any reason then he writes me a note and he says oh well the reason is archbishop chelso morga secretary of the at that time, secretary of the congregation for clergy said to me most emphatically, and you can see this email on that website that I cannot restore you to your pro-life work until the Vatican does a visitation of priests for life. Now a visitation is not a negative thing. It's a helpful thing. So we welcomed the visitation. That was the report I referred to earlier when they said our finances were all in, in good order. So we did the visitation. But when he said that to me, I said, OK, I'm going to go see Archbishop Chelso Morga and ask him if this is true, because this was not the message I was getting from Rome. I flew across the ocean. I sat down with Archbishop Morga and I said to him, Your Excellency, I have flown across the ocean to ask you one question. Did you tell Arch, did you tell Bishop Zurich that you, he could not restore my permission to do this work until the visitation was over? Tell her, here's what he said, and, and this is also confirmed in writing on that website. Archbishop Chelsea Morga said to me, no, I did not tell him that. What I told him was, and I'll say this in Italian for those who know Italian, che sia generoso in giving you permission to do your work, that he be generous in giving you permission to do his work. Wow. So to do my work. Now, how are we supposed to live under that kind of an authority, I, I am really the. You know what? One of the things that annoys me the most about all of this, and I really try to be respectful to everybody involved, and I got a lot of support from my brother priests. But one of the most annoying things is when some of my brother priests come come over to me with this this line of "Gotta be obedient to your bishop," "Gotta be obedient to your bishop." They haven't lived through this. I acknowledge that that, that the need to be obedient to one's bishop. But I also object to the abuse of authority. We acknowledge authority, but we have too much respect for authority to let it be abused. Here's a man who lied to me. Either he lied to me or he's completely incompetent at understanding what is being told to him by the Vatican. He said to me, this archbishop, he named the man, told me emphatically... Not to give you permission to do your work. I go see the man and he tells me the opposite. Let's just pause there. What is any priest supposed to do with that? I mean, what, what, what's your, what do we do? What do you do with that? You know, uh, 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 to me, what you do with that is you ask to get under a different bishop. Um, there was another similarly disturbing incident where in the course of the appeal we made, this was prior to all this, we, like I say, he he restricted my ministry. I appealed to the Vatican. They ultimately ruled in my favor. But in the course of that, Bishop Zurich refused to talk about the question, the point at hand, which was, let me go. Let me do my work. Uh, rescind your decree restricting my work. He kept talking about internal matters of priests for life. That's like if a priest is assigned to be a chaplain at Presbyterian Hospital, Um the bishop has control over whether the priest is assigned as chaplain to that hospital. He doesn't have any jurisdiction over the internal affairs of that hospital. So it's the same thing with our ministry. And he was trying to get enmeshed in the internal workings of our ministry. And our board objected. We're governed by an independent board. So, so here, this is an incredible thing happened. The Vatican sent a letter to me saying, uh, please tell the bishop that when you meet with him, you are only to discuss whether or not he's going to withdraw his decree that no other subject of discussion. I go into the meeting and he starts the meeting by saying, so I see you with, you've withdrawn your appeal to the Vatican. I said, Bishop, uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I haven't withdrawn my appeal to the Vatican. Oh, but they wrote to me and they said it right here. And he had his canonical, uh, priest sitting right next to him, his advisor yeah,
1: trying to set you up.
0: Well, no, no, here's what happened. Even worse, he said, no, they told us in this letter that that, that you you, you, uh, um, withdrew your appeal. I said, may I please see the letter? By the way, I have this posted on the website, too, frfrankpavone.com. He shows me the letter. It's the same letter I got. The subject of your conversation should be the rescinding of the bishop's decree. It wasn't saying anything about me withdrawing my appeal. I'm sitting there and I'm saying to the Lord, "How do what do I what do I what do I do here? Yeah, I've got a bishop and his canonical advisor, incapable of understanding a simple English paragraph. Do you know what that does to a person's trust in uh, you know relying on what their bishop says? I, I'd like to any of those priests that keep saying to me, "Oh, but you have to be obedient to your bishop. Oh, Father Frank, you have got to be." I'd like them to live through this just for one day. I've been living through this for 21 years. I'd like to see what they end up saying when they're sitting in front of a bishop who can't understand a simple paragraph in English from the Vatican. How am I supposed to trust him for dealing with all the other matters that, that involved with this? Well, and how this is the you, same man obey, who's still my bishop today.
1: How can you obey if he's not obeying what's coming down from above him? <laughs> You're that's right. The same, he's not obeying. So there's, there's things flowing downhill from Rome to you and he's not obeying or confusing or clouding these communications. Yes. So yes. in reality, you're saying I am obeying, I'm obeying the higher authority in this situation. Exactly. You're the one that's either uh, lying, deceiving, or you can't, re- you can't read or interpret English or Italian.
0: Either or one of those. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know which one of which right. one of those it is. But in a sense, it's irrelevant because either one of those situations is pretty bad for the priest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So where do you go from here? People are asking, is he going to continue to say mass? Can he hear a confession? Um, well, is he a father? Well, is he is he still ontologically, metaphysically a priest? Of course you are. Um, yeah. Wh- What is, until we, until Pope Francis changes his mind, and I've asked everyone to pray a rosary for Father Pavone's, and I say it again, pray another rosary for Father Pavone. We need at least 50,000 rosaries for this situation. (laughs) So until Francis changes, or he goes to his reward, and we have a new pope, what is, what are you doing?
0: Well, first of all, I'm continuing full force with my team The work of priests for life, which does not involve or require priestly function, and that's most of the work. The broadcasting, the teaching, the publishing, the encouraging of the, of the clergy, how to preach about abortion, the distribution of our material, the speaking at pro-life gatherings, the, you know, when I go and give a talk at a pro-life conference, that's not a, that's not a priestly function, right? That doesn't require priestly faculties, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say, you know, 90, 95% of our work is unaffected by this and and our team is is undeterred in that as well, and that 's where again you know we appeal to the people you know let 's just keep doing this work together as far as the the other five percent is like can I say mask can i can i uh, uh do any kind of other kind of priestly thing i 'm waiting for guidance because i 've gotten nothing I have gotten nothing this phone pro life leaders from across the world have been calling me. Has any, has, has the papal nuncio called me? No. Has the Vatican called me? No. They're not giving me any guidance whatsoever. And I wouldn't be surprised, Taylor, if, if I never hear from them again, except when they send me the decree of excommunication, because I'm sure that that's what they want to do next. They're going to say, Oh, really? You're still calling yourself father. Oh, I'm sure that's what this whole thing. I, in fact, I was telling people 10 years ago how this was going to, how this was going to come down. I said, I'm going to find out. Through the media that they've dismissed me from the priesthood, I said those exact words to my to my colleagues, my canonical team. I have a canonical team here in the U.S. I have one over in Rome. They've been working this through, and I saw the direction this was going. Here, here's the let me try to try to help people understand this. It's a one my experience of this. It's a one sided narrative, starting with Cardinal Egan calling me back into parish work you have to be obedient okay your eminence may i please have a conversation with you as my bishop about my vocation may i please have a conversation about you with my about my conscience that led me to go to your predecessor to get permission to do this work may i please have a conversation about you about how the holy spirit is leading me to lay down my life for the unborn may i please have that conversation before you require me to step away from that work. Taylor, you know how many conversations he allowed me to have with him about that?
1: Zero. What about well, dialogue though? What about dialogue? All the talk about dialogue and dialogue accompaniment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where was that? Where was that? So, um, so there was, there was that. And they kept telling me what they wanted. And all through the process – now, the Vatican did rule in my favor a couple of times and um, someone over there was listening. But as far as the people against whom I was appealing, it was a pre-written narrative and I predicted this a long time ago, not only that it would happen but that they wouldn't even tell me about it directly. I would hear it from the media, and uh, I'm waiting for Catholic news agency to answer my question. How did they find out about this before I did, uh, that it had actually happened? So, um, the, um, uh, the, so the bottom line is, yeah, the next step will be excommunication altogether, because they'll say, oh, well, you see, Father Frank is still talking to the media, and he's still calling himself Father Frank and whatnot, you know. They ought to just do what they want to do quickly. It's like, like Jesus said to Judas, what you have to do, do quickly, you know, so we can get on with things. Um, but the next, uh, the, no, the, the next steps here are really very simple. Um, we continue doing the good pro-life work that the church itself has encouraged and, and thanked us for doing in many, many occasions. And, um, uh, the rest of it, they need to give me the clarity that, that, that is required for this. Cause I haven't been given any instructions one way or the other.
1: So I was thinking this is the end of the road. Laicization, defrocking. You're saying that this is not the end of the road. That right. ultimately they're, they're going to hang, hang the scarlet letter of E on you. Excommunicated. That's what you think is going to happen.
0: I, I think so eventually. I think that's what they want to do. Um, so, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Could you so all through the social media? You've already talked about the aborted baby, and I understand it. These aborted babies. I, I saw some person say he desecrated an aborted baby. I was like, "How? Wow! That's that's such a lie." Like Father Franklin would never desecrate human.
0: Yeah, and how? How? exactly?
1: Yeah. So that yeah. that right there, I, I understand these babies were received burial, which is a yeah. work of mercy. Um, but the other one, and I hope you don't mind me bringing up, was the G.D. Biden comment. Would you want yes. to address that? Because I've seen it from a lot sure. of people and I, I just kind of want to clear the air and it'd be great if you could talk about it.
0: Oh, yes, I was really angry. It was not a. it was a tweet, not a, a, um, a tweet that I posted as an initial step of posting a tweet. It was a comment to somebody who was commenting to me uh, now still visible, uh, but. Uh, I was angry and half the country was angry uh, 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 and still is uh, about the 2020 election. And I said um, uh, 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 this person was I forget what exactly he was saying, but it was, uh, uh, you know, criticizing Trump and supporting Biden. And and, I was making the argument that when are you people going to stop using the word Trump every time you try to defend Biden? If Biden is worth defending, then defend him. Uh, but they can't say anything good about him. All they could say was bad things about Trump. And so I had had it and I and I used the word GD loser uh, Biden and his supporters. And uh, so oh, that was I was angry. So he so there's two things here. Number one, we shouldn't do that. So I said, I'm sorry. I went to confession, but I'm not sorry about what the cause of the anger was. We shouldn't be using that language, and 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 I don't buy into this, you know. Oh, the priest should not be using. Nobody should be. They say, oh yeah. It's like when you're in a social gathering as a priest, it's so, it's so uncomfortable when people might say a, a, a curse word in the course of their conversation. Then they turn to me, oh sorry, Father. And I say to them, you're turning to the wrong person. You got to t- turn up. You're, sorry, Lord. Well, what the, what does it have to do with me? So in any case, we shouldn't be using that language. okay? but then the bishop turns it into a into a a a theological argument. God does not damn the Democrats to hell. And therefore, you are, you know, as a priest representing an erroneous theological opinion. No, I'm not, Bishop. I'm a human being that sometimes gets mad as hell. And I say things that I shouldn't say. That's what's going on here. And not making some kind of theological Uh, 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 condemnation of people Uh, why would I be doing that anyway see again this is where they how they cherry pick why would they be thinking that I would be sending people to hell when I'm overseeing the largest ministry in the world for healing after abortion. When I led Norma McCorvey into the Catholic Church, when I was responsible for bringing Abby Johnson to the point of healing that she's at today, when I show nothing but mercy and compassion for the people in Rachel's Vineyard, I've ministered to people who've had as many as 26 abortions. How can somebody be aware of that and then think that I am putting myself in a position of sending people to hell. I, you know, it's just the, the, the paramount unfairness. I, I, and this again is what I refer to repeatedly as an abuse of authority against me and my work.
1: Yeah, and, and and I hate to compare you to other people, because when you when you compare, like, well, Johnny stole a cookie for the from the cookie jar, so I can steal a cookie from the cookie jar. But we as lay people, I'm just gonna speak as a lay man who's a father. We look around, and you can hear heresy from every, almost every uh, diocese in the United States of America. There are there are parishes, and there are pastors who are preaching things that are directly contrary to the Catholic faith from the in the Catechism. Um, I have been told by many people that they have been told by priestly confession you can contracept, you can use the pill. You can have an abortion if you're following your conscience. Catholic priests counseling people to have abortions. Uh, Catholic priests counseling people to commit sodomy. Or recently I heard one. A girl confessed having sex with her boyfriend. And she said, well, when I confessed it because I knew it was wrong, he said, would you love him? And I said, yes. He goes, then it wasn't a sin. So these are the kind of things that are, that are heretical, that are not correct. These are priests representing the Catholic Church, so called, but they are destroying souls. Uh, they're leading t- for people to feel like, well, maybe I can't have an abortion or I can contracept or I can't have s- sex outside of marriage. And as a layman, I look around and nothing happens to these priests. Right. right nothing. Right. And then we can go another level. Molesting children, pedophilia, um, priests who are caught using the Grindr app and having having, you know, gay sex, sodomy. Uh, Are they laicized? Are they excommunicated? Um, As a layperson, I just look at this landscape and it's not just in America, it's all over the whole world. And I sense as a layman, it's gotten worse under Pope Francis. I just say, where's the justice? Yes, uh Father Frank Pavone is not immaculate. He has made some mistakes, but I still think he's a hero. And yet all these other priests, pastors, they're still going around doing and teaching and confusing people all over. I mean it's just this is just a moment I think this is why your case people love you. You represent the pro-life movement. But this is just a flashpoint in the hypocrisy, the perceived hypocrisy, I'll be careful and charitable, that comes from Vatican and that comes from almost every diocese in America. I mean, as a priest, when you say, wow, they've said I'm dismissed from the clerical state, but you look around and you see all these priests still in good, good standing, how does that make you feel?
0: I think about it from this perspective. It doesn't bother me what they accuse me of because I know what they're trying to accomplish. And it's kind of summarized what I said at the outset of our, of our conversation. They want to control what kind of message uh, the Catholic pro-life movement is being given. And they see that I and Priests for Life have a very strong influence on that. So they want to blunt that influence. Take father out of priest for life. Take priest for life away from father. Take father away from father. One way or another, they don't want a Catholic priest in good standing to be at a CPAC conference, for example, preaching at the mass And urging Catholics that, hey, folks, this is a good thing that we're doing here. They don't want a Catholic priest like me being the only Catholic priest ever to go to some of these other conservative gatherings, strategy sessions and conferences, because then that conveys to everybody else there, Catholic or or not, that somehow this is okay with the Catholic Church. It's taking the church in a direction, at least in people's perception, that they don't want it to go. So how do they control that? This is their ultimate way of trying. They're going to fail on this, too, but trying to control it. And that's that actually gives me consolation because it's like you guys aren't going to succeed in doing this. Why? Here's the reason ultimately why. And this really summarizes my whole state of mind at the moment. The scriptures, the catechism, the great commission of Jesus Christ for us to expand his kingdom. Doesn't come from a bishop and it doesn't come from a pope. It comes from Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that he pours out upon us. We acknowledge the role of authority in the church. We respect it. We defend it. But that's not where our mission comes from. We are all baptized in Christ and he gives us directly, as the second Vatican Council teaches us, he gives us directly the mission of evangelizing the world. And that includes defending life. The people of God have the census fidelium. If they hear something from a pastor, a bishop, or even from the pope that seems to contradict the faith they've received, they have enough clarity in that faith to be able to recognize that. The pope doesn't have any pages of the Bible that the rest of us don't have. The pope doesn't have any pages of the catechism that the rest of us don't have. This is a faith that has been opened wide for us all to receive, to live, and to proclaim. And it's because of that census fidelium. It's because the people that are you and I minister to every day, that you and I collaborate every day with in the pro-life movement and in other efforts of the church, it's because they are responsive to that spirit that I'm confident that they'll continue to be responsive in that same way. And that actions like this that I consider wayward actions, abusive actions will not carry the day because it's ultimately the people of God. And going back to what you asked me about, is there any appeal besides this pope or the next pope reversing this? There's another appeal just as important. And that's the appeal we're making by having this broadcast. It's an appeal to the people of God and to the census fidelium. And I say to them, listen, I'm under your judgment. Uh, we're all under the judgment of God. But I'm coming to the people and saying, is this a worthy work or not? Is this a movement that we need to give ourselves to or is it not? Do we lay our lives down for the babies and help each other to do so or do we not? And it's up to the people to decide. And I tell her I'm confident that the people led by the same Christ and the same Holy Spirit that I try to be led by uh, are going to come to the same judgment. And that is we continue to go forward again out of deepest respect and love for the church. I'm not going off into a different church, but staying faithful to that mission that God has given us.
1: Yes, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I mean, you're saying they don't want you to be political, vocal, you know, pray at a CPAC. And yet you have priests, we all know who I'm talking about by name here, who tell people to go to pride parades and go to pride parades and do all these things. It's just, it's so confusing for lay people right now. So, Well, Father, I know you're you're very busy. It's been a very busy time, and I want to let you go. I know you have a a time constraint, but could you lead us in a Our Father and a Hail Mary?
0: Okay, absolutely. English or Latin, uh, Taylor?
1: Whatever you feel comfortable with, you (laughs) you go for (laughs) it.
0: All right. Well, thank you for having me on. Thanks for this opportunity also to pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Give us us this day day, our daily daily bread, bread, and forgive us our trespasses, trespasses, as we we forgive those who trespass against against us. us,
0: And lead us not not into temptation, temptation, but deliver us us from evil. evil. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus.
1: Sancta Maria, Maria, Mater Dei, Dei
0: ora pro, pro nobis peccatoribus, peccatoribus nun nun nostre. Nostre. Amen. Amen. in Amen. Name of the Father
1: and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to encourage everyone to go to. Can you give the website so I don't mess it up?
0: Endabortion.us. Endabortion.us. Exactly.
1: And then also is it FatherFrankPavone.com? Exactly. And his father spelled out.
0: It'll work both ways, F-R or Father.
1: Okay, good. So people can get some of the facts. Because there's a lot of people on social media right now, they're debating this. Well, what about Father this? And what about Father Frank Pavone that and all that? And so FatherFrankPavone.com has a lot of the things that you discussed today, some of the records and the history and timeline. Yep, exactly. So if everyone watching, you want to get some of these things straight or someone says something, you can go to FatherFrankPavone.com and get it there. Well, Father, thank you so much. My heart breaks for you. This is very difficult. And I pray and I ask everyone to, to pray with me and with us that this gets resolved and that this is just something in the history and that you can continue to do your good work for the kingdom as a priest of Jesus Christ, a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek and for right. the pro-life movement. So thank you for all your work and we'll pray for more work to come.
0: Thank you. Thanks for your work. I look forward to staying connected.
1: Thank you, Merry everybody. Christmas. Remember our Lord Jesus Christ is you the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and
0: to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.